0: Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. Sober-minded Christians are rightly concerned about the future of our country. Many are worried that we are headed for a moral, cultural, political, and economic collapse. How can we bring change, and where do we start there can be no rebuilding of America or renewing of the church without passing on a Christian worldview to the next generation, and that's why we are re-airing this timely broadcast series on worldview. Worldview 101, and you're just going to have to stay with me in a little bit. I'll be describing and defining what a worldview is, but I'd like to back up and start with a question that USA Today asked in a poll, and this was the question of the poll. What if you were able to ask God a question, any question, and get a direct and immediate answer? What would be your question? And you know what the number one question on Americans' minds and hearts? If they could ask God anything, and get a direct and immediate answer, their question would be, what's my purpose here? You know, it's fundamental to have a a proper orientation in life. Orientation is basically how you navigate life. And you're talking about a third of those answering this poll. The highest of any question they would ask God is what is my purpose here? Uh, pastor, Evangelical Pastor Rick Warren wrote a book. I call it, you know, every now and then you get, you get a, a $10 million title, and his title was Purpose Driven Life. That book sold 30 million copies. It was read by a president of the United States, who's in the New York Times bestseller list for 90 weeks. So there is something deep within us that wants to know, what is my purpose here? You know, I have been collecting research from the Barna organization, from actually when they began it. And I have some research from 1991, wasn't even bound as a book. It was kind of one of these booklets just put together in the back of the, of the building, so to speak. So th- this isn't in print, but they issued a study that I haven't actually seen duplicated in recent times that they looked at teenagers and what were the chief concerns and interests and topics of interest to teens. And what they did very wisely is that they broke the teen years up into different categories. The first was 13 to 14, and then the middle years, 15, 16, and then the older teens, 17 and 18. and what they tracked was how interest levels on different questions changed as a young person went through their teen years. And there was only one single question that either maintained or increased in importance throughout the teen years, and it was having life goals or a life purpose. It's exactly what USA Today have found. And, Why is having a worldview so important? At a recent conference, I was asked, along with the other speakers, how do you bring young adults back to the faith? And I gave a fairly lengthy answer, but my answer was more, how do you prevent them from departing to begin with? If you've been listening to Faith and Family for any amount of time, you know that since it's so much easier to prevent problems than to try to cure them or solve them after they've already erupted, so I'm really a prevention guy. How do we prevent young adults from departing from the faith? One critical way to do that is training in worldview, and this series, Worldview 101, is designed to do just that give you basic, not advanced, but basic training in learning what a worldview is and developing a distinctively Christian worldview and then being equipped to pass that on to your children, as well as the young people in your youth group or if you're a teacher in your classroom. But here's where we are with worldview. Barna again is very inter- the Barna organization is very interested in their surveys of Christians to examine how well Christians hold a distinctly Christian worldview here in America, and his findings, or at least his claim, that less than one third of Christians in the United States actually hold to one, and he's also identifying this as a primary cause of. and young adult dropout, while at the same time, most pastors, when they were asked, basically were of the conviction that their congregations mostly had a Christian worldview, but based on Barna's objective surveys of those congregations, the pastor's expectations basically contain misplaced confidence. I would estimate, and Hold on to your seat, and this is the reason we're doing this. There's great hope here. This can be done, but realistically, I would estimate that Catholic youth today, somewhere less than 10 percent, have an authentic Christian worldview, Uh, less than 10. Now, everyone has a worldview. Young children develop a worldview. Before they even begin formal schooling, their their worldview is developing. And before they ever enter high school or college, their worldview is almost cementing. So everyone has a worldview, but again, according to the Barna Organization Research, Catholics in the United States have the lowest percentage of Christians in America possessing a Christian worldview. There was a book I read on worldview, oh, boy, it was decades ago, very interesting book entitled The Universe Next Door by Dr. James Sire. And the idea is that you could be living in a neighborhood and your next door neighbor, even though he's only so many feet away from your home, because of worldview differences, could almost be described as living on another planet or an alternative universe, and hence the name of the title of his book, The Universe Next Door. But let's bring this even closer to home because things have changed in our society even since James Sire wrote that book, The Universe Next Door. You may be the mother or father of a teen living under your roof, not next door, but literally under your roof and because of government schooling or inadequate religious schooling, they could be living in another universe far, far, far away from your beliefs, even though they may even be, while they're living in your home, attending mass with you every week, they are living in a separate reality. This is how fundamental and important a worldview is. You know, I have heard Catholic leaders saying they're just scratching their heads, wondering how so many Catholic young people, or a person really of any age, can think that a homosexual marriage is something perfectly natural, or how transgenderism is something perfectly normal, and then why can't they see the obvious? The reason is this. World view affects everyone. We all have a worldview, Christians, non-Christians, and Christians can have a distinctively Christian worldview, or they can unknowingly be influenced by a secular worldview. Now, I have a few notes in front of me here in the radio studio, and I'm wearing a pair of glasses that I'm viewing my notes from. And a worldview would be like wearing a pair of glasses. And let's say a secular worldview, those glasses would be tinted red so that everything I'm seeing, everything I'm experiencing, everything that I'm thinking, the moral decisions that I'm making are all going to be colored red because worldview is that fundamental, even If I hear a command of Jesus, that command is going to be filtered through my red glasses. Contrary, if I have a Christian worldview, let's say I have blue tinted glasses, then everything that I observe from the evening news, from a religious class, from a history class, from how I make moral decisions, all of that is gonna be colored. Everything that I receive into my mind and heart and everything coming out of me is going to be having an effect—a blue tint. That's how pervasive and fundamental a world view is. And I'm sorry, but I, I'm going to have to just say this: uh, a lot of very sincere Catholics think that if we just come up with some natural law arguments that will somehow reverse this whole homosexual marriage and rush towards transgenderism. And I'm sorry. It will not. Natural law arguments have a place, but even more comprehensive and fundamental is the world view of which maybe natural law arguments might be a part. But again, our own children living in our homes could be adopting their worldview from the media, from their peers, from their smartphones, from their school, and even religious schools are failing to convey an authentic worldview to many young people. So again, they could be in our home, exposed to the same things that you, mom, and dad are, and could be just, everything could be filtered and received in a comprehensively different way. Barna, again, who's very interested in worldviews, found in his surveys that a worldview affects a person's views on morally acceptable behavior. In other words, you're aware that, for instance, um, Catholics, adults and youth, are washing out on same-sex marriage and homosexual relations. But listen to some of the differences if you have a Christian worldview, how it would affect your views on what's morally right. If you hold to a Christian worldview, you are 31 times less likely to accept cohabitation as morally acceptable. Now, I know there's some very dynamic chastity speakers, and I know there's literally millions of Theology of the Body books out there, and these are all doing good things, but show me in a national poll of any of these that could touch making such a difference that would cause a person to find cohabitation 31 times less acceptable because of holding to a worldview versus those not holding to a worldview. A person holding to a worldview is 15 times less likely to accept homosexual sexual relations as morally acceptable behavior, 12 times less likely to accept profanity, 11 times less likely to accept adultery. These are phenomenal differences. Now, Barna, quite wisely, took this a second step. And this is tough because you not only want to know what people think, and that's the first step, obviously, because if you view, for instance, cohabitation as morally acceptable behavior, because of your worldview, and then you leave your home and go off to college, well, it's not gonna take a genius to figure out what's gonna be the moral lifestyle. So even those holding to the proper beliefs and proper views of morality very often fall down in in living those. So what are the actual lifestyle differences? And uh, here's just three. Those holding a Christian worldview are three times less likely to get drunk, two times less likely to view porn, 12 times less likely to have adulterous sexual relations. So in other words, this is making a substantial difference in not only views of moral behavior, but actual lifestyles and living a moral behavior. I hope I've gotten your attention. And this is something that people are interested in. Like, what's my purpose here? What, what am I doing here? Does, does God have anything to do with the purpose for my life? If these are the leading questions for Americans in general and youth in particular, this is an open door to create moral behavior without even talking about morals. You talk about worldview, and then when you get moral instruction, it clicks, otherwise it lands on quicksand and it dissipates. So let's, I have several ways of describing a worldview. This isn't easy and because of it, a lot of people aren't conscious of their worldview. Like I've described a worldview as like asking a leopard to become self-conscious of his spots because if you've been wearing red tinted glasses for the last 30 years, and I talk to you about worldview, and you say, well, what's that? The whole world's red, I've seen it, I've experienced it, I've thought it, I've done it, and everything, it becomes so common that it's unconsciously accepted. What we wanna do in this series is move from unconscious to conscious worldview, from secular worldview to Christian worldview, and we can start making a difference, particularly in young people leaving the church, But To our topic, what is a worldview? Here's one quickie definition. It's an encompassing influence that shapes one's thoughts. It's how we personally answer the core questions of life. And I'm gonna give you some core questions in just a moment. worldview is how we interpret reality. And I'll say it again. It's like wearing a pair of glasses that color Everything we see. A worldview is the framework from which we view every dimension of life. A worldview is a web of beliefs about the biggest questions of life that helps you make sense of all your knowledge and experiences. A worldview is a structure that provides an all-encompassing understanding of God, the world, and mankind's relationship to both God and the world. A worldview is a way to interpret all reality. Now this definition is a little longer and it's mine. A worldview is composed of a fundamental set of assumptions and presuppositions that exert their influence on every aspect of thought, perception, and decision-making. Since a worldview is so pervasive in our thinking processes, it is difficult to become aware of our worldview. Yet, our worldview, practically speaking, is part of what we are. Now, here's the big question. I think you can get the idea of a worldview, but how do I teach something to my children, and parents literally four, five, six, seven years old is not too young to start teaching worldview. And effective parents who teach worldview will hardly ever even mention the word, but the parents will be aware of what they're trying to do. But those who are effectively conveying to young and old, a Christian worldview, do so through asking a certain set of questions. Anywhere from three to seven, maybe ten questions. I have organized my list of worldview questions into seven, and I'm entitling these worldview, the short list of seven life-changing questions. And so again, These are questions and answers. Parents want to give their children. Catechists want to give. Pastors need to give. This is where the thirst is on the American public. This is where the thirst is throughout the teen years. And this is where young people are simply adopting a worldview. And they may be suffering from mild schizophrenia, because one lens of their glasses may be red and the other blue and their adolescence and confusion during that growing up period. And then when they get to college, their college professor assures them, you can knock out that blue lens. We'll just stick in a second red lens and all will be fine. And all your other professors will agree with me. And thus you will lose your children. You'll think, well, what happened? They went to Catholic schools, they were catechized, they memorized different catechism questions. Well, without a worldview, it's it's filtered out or it's diluted or it's twisted. So any case, here are the seven questions. And we are going to go through each question in Faith and Family Radio. The first three questions, I call these the big three, are the who am I questions. And these questions are utterly fundamental for developing a worldview. Question number one, where do I come from? Question number two, where am I going? And question number three, why am I here? Let me just rephrase those. The first question, where do I come from? In other words, what's my origin? If you don't know your origin, you don't know your end or your destination, and if you don't know your origin and you're therefore confused about your destination, I can guarantee you'll be confused and perhaps just totally lacking what your purpose is here, and if there's one area of Catholic catechesis that has actually fallen through the basement and is halfway to China, it is at question one in worldview, and that's one prime reason why Catholics have the lowest percentage of Christians in America who hold to an authentic Christian worldview. Where do I come from? What's my origin? And then question number two, where am I going? In other words, what happens when I die? There are some very high-ranking church officials who are confused or actually wrong on their views of what happened when they die. I've encountered Protestant ministers who are confused what it means uh, the resurrection of the body. In my experience, both as a Protestant pastor and as a Catholic layperson working with families, that there is such high levels of confusion. Well, we all know where we're going to go. Really? Well, we're going to go to heaven for eternity. Okay, where's heaven? We've answered that on this broadcast, but if you don't have a definitive answer and it kind of becomes a never-never land, then you have, again, eroded one of the top three fundamental questions for a worldview. So where do I come from? What's my origin? Where am I going? In other words, what happens after I die? And then you go to question number three. Based on those two, you can ask the question, Why am I here? In other words, what's the meaning and purpose of my life? And we'll get to this, but the Catechism of the Catholic Church regards the two questions that I gave you, one and two. Where do you come from and where are you going are the two life fundamental questions from which we draw our purpose in life. Apart from answering those first two questions, which I am advocating that we're doing a rather poor job of doing that, you're going to fundamentally lack a purpose. And that moral education and religious education, because of the defective worldview, tracing right back to these fundamental questions, will not have its lasting effect. And even though you spend thousands on Catholic education and even a Catholic college, if you don't have the worldview training, you're setting a young person up for a very difficult time in this world. So those were the first three questions. I call these the who am I questions. The next two questions I term, how do I know questions? That question then is number four. It Pontius Pilate's question, what is truth? And this is a question that's totally up for grabs in today's world. What is truth? And then based on how you answer that question, what is truth? Number five, how do I know right from wrong? In other words, what's my compass for moral decision-making? Those are critical questions that have to be addressed, but what comes first are the big three. Remember, there's a certain order you wanna follow here. And then I call the two redemption questions. Number six, what's wrong with the world? Why do we always have war? Why do we always wanna kill each other? And why do we always have civil unrest? And why do we have crime? Why, Why doesn't it stop? So what's wrong with the world? And what's the solution? That's question number six. And then, question number seven, what's really happening in our world? I'll just give you a tip on that. My good, good, good friend, St. Augustine, will answer that quite well. So, those are the seven questions. If you want a copy of those seven questions and kind of use it as a guide as we go through this series, Worldview 101, we'll just send you one. Just send an email to ask the host. At Gmail.com, just put in the subject line. Send me the seven questions. Again, that's Ask the Host at Gmail.com. And I'd just like to uh, throw out an idea. I personally believe this is perhaps the most underserved dimension of ministry to Catholic youth throughout the world, but particularly here in the United States, because I'm I'm here and you're here. I suggest a worldview camp, seven questions, maybe a seven-day camp, where these seven questions are built as a fundamental structure into a young person's life. I'll just say at the Family Life Center, we don't have the funds and we don't have the personnel to do this. But as you listen to this series, you're going to say, well, how can we do it? Well, the how I've given you you basically develop a fairly straightforward curriculum based on these seven questions. Two, you get in God's natural surroundings because that really helps to bring reality home. That's what we're talking about here in a seven day worldview camp. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 196 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org.